hard to believe this is already third Sunday in December, third Sunday in Advent, third Sunday in our Christmas series of the songs of Christmas. And we looked at some significant songs. Today we'll look at the one entitled Joy to the World. We lit the candle of joy today and we sung Joy to the World by Isaac Watts. Interesting story about how we got this great hymn that we sing at Christmas. Um, he was born in uh, 1674 in Southampton, England, and he uh, quickly became dissatisfied with the music they, they were using in their worship in that day. He thought that the language is antiquated and it wasn't relating to the people. Now, you understand that, that what they were using as their hymn book in that time was the book of Psalms. That's uh, basically what they were singing from. So he went and talked to his father about it, and his father was uh, noted for being rather unique. He didn't stand on tradition, so he said to, to his young son Isaac Watts, he said, if you think you can do better, then write some. And so he did. And he wrote over 600, over 600 psalms and other poems. And in his first volume of those that were published, we got such songs as, We're Marching to Zion, and When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, and At the Cross, and This is the Day that the Lord has Made. And something significant about that was once he started publishing his songs and people started to sing them, then it encouraged other British Christians like Charles Wesley and John Newton to compose new Christian songs born out of their personal experiences. Now, the the backdrop for writing Joy to the World came from uh, Isaac Watts studying Psalm 98 that says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing. And so as he was moved through that about the need for rejoicing and the power of joy, he came up with the song, uh, Joy to the World. But it wasn't to the tune that we know it now. Basically, he put it to the tune of, Come Thy Fount of Every Blessing. And it wasn't widely received because of the tune that was used with it. Then in 1839, a man by the name of Lowell Mason, who was a composer in Boston, um, put together some of his work. And he wrote over 600 hymns as well, including My Faith Looks Up to Thee and Nearer My God to Thee. And in 1836, uh, influenced by the German classical work and by Handel's Messiah, he came up with a, with a new tune that he called Antioch. And this, was, this is the tune that we sing Joy to the World to. And it's an exciting thing to find that, that finally, after that song had been written for so many years, it found the tomb that found its way into our hymnals and into our hearts during the Christmas season. Some of the interesting things about, the, about joy to the world, you might have noticed that there's really no scripture that's referenced about the coming of Jesus and his birth, except for the say, the Lord is born, joy to the world. And so it's a, it's a song that we sing at Christmas, and we do so with great celebration and because we celebrate joy that came in the birth of Jesus Christ. But it also could be a song that we could sing year-round. We hardly ever sing it except during the Christmas time. Uh, but uh, it's a reminder to us that in the birth of Jesus Christ and his presence among us, there is joy no matter what the season and so that's what we celebrate as we celebrate today, joy. And I think in some of the things that we deal with all the way through the Christmas season, joy is one of the elements that we try to grasp, but it seems to be so elusive in the midst of all the, the chaos of this season. So I want us to look today at the scripture out of the account of Luke chapter 2 in the birth of Jesus as he gives it to us. And he mentions the the joy that comes in the birth of Jesus. And for us to claim today the presence of joy in our life, especially during this Christmas season, that will carry on then throughout the rest of our life. So, 
Turn with me, if you would, or look at the scripture on the screen or on your, or your Bible app on your phone to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, and we'll read through verse 20. Luke's recording of the birth of Jesus at this point goes this way. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, there's the fantastic story of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the midst of that announcement of His birth, we find the presence of joy. And that's what we come to celebrate and claim. But I think that's the element that we tend to miss the most during the Christmas season is joy. I'm reminded of a story told about a husband and wife whose wedding anniversary came during the Christmas season. And he suggested to her that for their anniversary, they go on a bear hunting trip in Alaska. And he described it this way. He said, we can sleep in tents and enjoy God's beautiful creation. No cell phones, no TV, no shopping. Just you and me, sweetie. And she says, well, I'm not sure that's what I had in mind for her anniversary. So he says, well, tell me, what would you miss most on a hunting trip to to, uh, Alaska? And she said, I would miss you. (laughs) Well, I think we miss joy during the Christmas season. It's a wonderful time in which we celebrate the birth of Christ and all that that means for our life. Emmanuel, God with us, our Savior has come. But we have made the Christmas season such a hectic time that in the very midst of what should be the most joyous season, sometimes our nerves are frayed. We live like life is on the edge. We don't handle the pressure of getting everything ready or maybe we take on too much. And so we miss joy during the Christmas season. And think about your own life, maybe even year round. How often do you describe your life as being filled with joy. How often do you feel that your life is filled with joy? And how many people do you know who describe their life as being filled with joy? How about great joy? That takes it to another degree, doesn't it? But that is how the joy was described with the angel's announcement to the shepherds about the birth of Jesus. It's good news of great joy. What's the great news? It's the birth of a Savior for the world, for all mankind. 
Now, when you go back and you read all the accounts about the Christmas story and you put everything together, you will find that it is a story of absolutely amazing joy. The angels announced joy had come. The scriptures say that Mary and Joseph were amazed with joy. The wise men were filled with joy. John the Baptist, as a baby in Elizabeth's womb, leaped or jumped for joy when Mary approached because he knew that the baby she carried was the Messiah. And the shepherds, they returned from seeing Jesus with joy and rejoicing in their hearts. So why do we need to claim and focus upon the presence of joy in our life? Well, we all need it. We need joy in our life. Yes, somebody, how are you doing today? They don't normally say, well, I'm just filled with joy. Oh, I've got great joy. I've experienced great joy this week. They might say, well, I'm doing okay, you know. And behind that, you know, there's some other issues that they're dealing with. We need to remember that Jesus came to bring joy to us in the birth of a Savior in the midst of everything else that goes on during this time is a reminder to us of the joy that we should have in our soul. So why do we miss out on that joy? Well, we could say because of sickness and stress and setbacks and suffering and struggles and sin. And we could lump all of those under the category of circumstances. And the reality of Christmas is that God has come to us to invade our life with joy, even in the midst of all of the circumstances of life. And the shepherds in our story are prime examples of that. Consider the unchanging circumstances in their life, even though they had received the glorious good news, the joyful announcement of the birth of a Savior. After they returned, seeing Jesus, their Savior, they were still financially poor. They were still social outcasts. You know, they could not be called upon to be a witness in a, in a legal hearing because uh, they, weren't, um, they weren't considered to be uh, truthful. You know, they were known to be shepherds hanging out there on the hillside with their sheep, and they were known to be a little bit kind of crazy to do that all the time. They still smell like their sheep. And they returned to the same household setting. And they returned to the same job. Their circumstances didn't change. But yet they rejoiced in the birth of a Savior. And they remind us that sometimes circumstances can contribute to our joy. But they don't control our joy. So during this Christmas season I want to encourage you to claim the presence of joy. In the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. No matter what your circumstances There is joy in the birth of Jesus because he comes to help us deal with every circumstance in our life. And I think when we look at these shepherds and their reaction, I think we can find in them three ways that we can discover and claim the presence of joy in our life. Three reasons why we can know the presence of joy. Number one, we experience joy as we understand our personal significance. That we come to experience joy when we understand our personal significance. In the birth of Jesus Christ, we are reminded of our value to God. Just like the shepherds. The announcement of the angel to them was, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. That personalized that message, didn't it? These lowly shepherds were the first to receive that message. 
And they came to understand that God's amazing, redeeming love was for them. That God cared about them. That God sent the Savior for them. And they understood their personal significance to God. They came to understand that though they might be cast off in their society, that they were not overlooked, not forgotten, or written off by God. He included them in His plan for salvation. And the same is true for each of us. See, God loves us personally. He cares about us to the extent of knowing even the number of hairs upon our head. And in Isaiah 49, 16, the scripture says, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Why does God go to that extent to know us that way? It's because we value to, we, we, we have great value in his sight. We matter to him. And that should be significant for us. That we understand our personal significance in the sight of God. Because at some point in our life, we have all felt being slighted and forgotten and neglected. We've been excluded from something. We've been overlooked for something. We've been left out. And when teams were selected, when invitations were issued, when tight circles of friendship were created, we were omitted. We were left out. We were ignored. We have all felt the bitter sting of feeling inferior, not good enough, not worthy, and not valuable in our society. But then comes the reminder once again in the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ that we have personal significance in the eyes of God. And we remember again that God created us. He sent Jesus for us. And that he loves us and that he includes us and that he includes you. Take it to a personal level. And the interesting thing about all of that is that God came to us to redeem us. To lift our personal significance even when we had rejected him. Even when we had turned our back on God and we chose sin instead of righteousness. God still desired a relationship with us because of our significance to him. And in the birth of Jesus our Savior, God shows us just how much we mean to him. He says, he is for you. My love includes you. I want a relationship with you. And when we come to understand our personal significance in the sight of God, then I think we can understand and claim the presence of joy in our life and why joy is so important. It begins when we understand and claim our personal significance. We experience the presence of joy. I think the second thing that helps us claim the presence of joy is that we experience joy as we understand the fulfillment of the promise of Scripture. Joy comes when we understand the fulfillment of the promise of Scripture. The birth of Jesus Christ was a fulfillment of all of the promises that God made about the Messiah that who would, he would send to save his people. Up until that night, though, when the angel burst upon the scene and startled those shepherds with the announcement, saying, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Up until that announcement, there had been 400 years of silence when God made no more promises of a Messiah when he spoke no more to his people. 
But in the birth of Jesus Christ, all of the prophecies that had been made, all of the promises that God had given were fulfilled. At least 353 promises according to one source of information. And the significance of all of these scriptures is that God keeps his promise right down to the most minute detail. And that nature of God, keeping his promises, is affirmed in the scripture. In Numbers 23, 19, we're told that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? No, you see, God makes promises and he keeps them. In Hebrews 10, 23, we're told, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful when he promises. That tells us that we can trust God because he is faithful to keep every promise that he makes. And here is where our joy is found. Our joy is found in a relationship with this God who keeps his promises. He is the God you can believe in. He is the God you can depend upon. And he is the God you can turn to. Now think about each one of those for a moment. He's the God you can believe in. You see, God's nature is truth, and his truth is expressed in Jesus Christ. Truth is a person, and it's Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. In fact, 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You hear what that scripture says to us? Every promise that God has made is yes In Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. All of his promises are yes. There's forgiveness, acceptance, eternal life. He is the God you can believe in because he keeps his word. Secondly, he is the God you can depend upon. All the way through the Bible, we are told to put all of our faith, all of our trust in God. The Old Testament kind of pictures him as somebody who is capable of holding us up by his righteous right hand. That God has that power and that capability and that concern to lift us up. In the New Testament, we're told to cast everything that we have on him. Jesus said, if you're heavy and, and laden down with a burden in life, come to me and I will give you rest. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, and he said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. See, that tells us in your darkest hour, in your weakest moments, in your most desperate times, you can depend upon God. We've had some families in the last six months go through some desperate times of illness and then death. Those have been desperate times, but you have been able to depend upon God. You have placed all of your trust in Him. You've put your anxiety on Him, and He has sustained you. He has carried you through. You know that from a personal experience. We can trace it through the Bible and know the same thing. That throughout history he has provided for and protected his people. And he will take care of you too. He is the God you can depend upon. And then thirdly he is the God you can turn to. You see when there seems to be no other options. God is there. And why is it that most times we go through all of our other options. Before we turn to God for the solution of whatever it is that we're dealing with. But when you come to the end of yourself, when you have no other resources, God is still there. He's still there. His promise in Hebrews 13, 5 is this. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. 
That's the joy of Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's why God came to us. So that we would know that he is the God who loves us. He is the God who fulfills his promises. And that we can depend upon him. We can trust him. Because he is worthy of our trust. And he has proven himself over and over and over. There are a lot of gifts that you probably will be shopping for and buying. A lot of toys and other electronic devices during this season. And I think there are two questions that we always ask. Or at least things that I ask. You know, what's the warranty on this thing and how many batteries does it take? Well, with God we get a lifetime warranty and we don't need any batteries. He is our power source. And when we understand that, we can claim the presence of joy. And then thirdly, we experience joy as we claim our pardon from sin. That ought to bring joy into your life when you know you can be forgiven from your sin. And that is the joyous good news of Christmas. It's the birth of our Savior. It's the birth of our Savior, the promised Messiah who would save us from our sins. Matthew recorded it this way in Matthew 1.21. She would give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You see, there is joy just simply in that name Jesus, just saying that name Jesus. Because Christmas joy comes from experiencing Jesus as Savior and the forgiveness that he brings. The name Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which simply means the Lord saves. And according to Jesus, he came into the world to do exactly that. In Luke 19, he said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came as the promised Messiah our Savior, Jesus, the one who would save us from our sins. And he does that in two very specific ways. First of all, he forgives us of our sins. Every one of us stands in need of forgiveness. Whether it's forgiveness for sin that keeps you isolated from God in your rebellion against him, and that's the sin that keeps you from claiming salvation, or whether it's your sins as a believer today. That you still commit because we're still human. He knows us that we're frail. We're subject to temptation and we easily fall to to sin. But God has come in Jesus Christ to meet our needs. We've got big sins. We've got little sins. Either way they pile up against us. And no one is perfect. And there's no way in which we can find forgiveness of our sins except through Jesus Christ. There's no one perfect. There's no one righteous. We're all in need of the fact that we need forgiveness. No matter how good you are, no matter how moral you are, no matter how much you give, no matter how much you serve, you cannot save yourself, you cannot earn your salvation, you cannot buy it. That's why Jesus came into the world. He came to forgive our sins. That means that he takes them off of our record and they don't exist any longer. Isaiah 38, 17 tells us that God puts our sins behind his back. Micah 7, 19 says that he tramples our sin under his feet and throws them into the depths of the sea. Isaiah 43, 25 says that he blots out our transgressions and he remembers our sins no more. There's joy in that. There's joy in being forgiven. 
There's joy in having all of our sins forgiven and forgotten by God. But Jesus does something even more than that. Not only does he forgive our sins, but he delivers us from our sins. As Jesus began his public ministry and John the Baptist was baptizing and preaching repentance, he saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes away the sin of the world. This Savior who was born, this Messiah who came, who brings us great joy, not only went to the cross to die in your place for your sins so that your sins could be forgiven, but He also died so that you could be delivered from sin. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus wants to have such a relationship with you that he can not only wipe your record clean, but he can teach you then how to live in righteousness. You see, sin presents a dual problem in our lives. One, it separates us from God, and two, it wrecks our lives. We've all been victim of the sins that we've committed and the, and the consequences that sin brings into our life. But Jesus solves both of those problems. He forgives our sins and he delivers us from our sins. If all Jesus did was forgive us of our sins, it would be like throwing us a life jacket or a life ring when we're in the water and then leaving us to do battle with the water. But instead he delivers us from that. He does more than just wiping the slate clean. He gives us the power and the ability to live with joy. He gives us the power to live a holy life with victory over sin. Every one of us in this room knows what it feels like to be powerless over sin, right? You know that there are some sins that you struggle with. We all do. Whether they're big or whether they're small, they're real. But let me tell you today, they are not stronger than God's grace. He has the power to help you overcome sin. He delivers you because the Bible tells us that he who is in you as Christ is greater than he who is in the world. That's Satan. Jesus came into this world to save us from our sins and to deliver us from a sinful lifestyle. And that means that he takes away the penalty of sin He takes away the power of sin, and he takes us away from the presence of sin as our Savior. And boy, that ought to be good news of a great joy for us today. Because we all do battle with sin. We live in a sinful society. We live in a sinful culture. We've all been victims of sin. And we need to know the forgiveness of sin, and we need to know the power of how to live without sin in our life. And Jesus provides that for us. And when we experience that, then we experience the presence of joy in our life that Jesus came to bring. So my prayer for you during this hectic time, but yet a wonderful time in celebrating the birth of Christ, is that you would know the presence of joy in your life through your relationship with Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to claim his presence, experience his forgiveness, And depend upon his faithfulness and you will live in joy. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Savior has come. 
Christ the Lord has been born. It's good news of great joy. Father, we thank you for the good news of great joy in the birth of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that as you looked down from the glory and splendor of heaven and you saw us in our sinful condition, you didn't cast us aside. But instead, you showed your love for us and the depth of your love in sending Jesus Christ from the glories of heaven who would give up his rights and give up his powers of heaven and come to earth as a tiny babe, vulnerable, born to the poorest of the poor, and yet who would be God with us, Emmanuel, and who would be Jesus who would save us from our sins and then who would be resurrected once again to be seated at your right hand and intercede for us. Father, help us to find joy in the Christmas story as we celebrate the birth of Christ our Savior, as we claim the gift of the Messiah and the fulfillment of all your promises to us. May we know that they are all yes in our relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Help us to find the presence of joy, not only during this wonderful season, but through every day of our life, that we live with this joy in our life, overcoming the circumstances through the power of Christ. For it's in his name that I pray. Amen.